We're starting a new series, and since it's kind of a systematic series, we'll be using a lot of scripture, but not necessarily going through scripture verse by verse in this particular series. Uh, we talked about at the welcome how, you know, each of you have gifts and uh, have different ideas, and that's what makes a church work. Uh, somebody asked me, well, how do you pick your sermon series? Because uh, we're uh, some denominations we follow like a lectionary where they have go through, you know, Matthew in year A and Mark in year B and Luke in year C and then sprinkle and, and that's that's one way to do it. And I'm not saying my way or our way is better or worse; it's different. Um, but I pick them the same way. I kind of just talked about it. The welcome. I just listen to some people say, "Well, why don't you do a sermon series on?" And that happened about a year ago. It would be really nice if you did a sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount. Well, there you go. 20 weeks, we did it. You know, it's, it's, uh, that was a little quick, but uh, I think uh, we learned a lot. I think I learned a lot. It's always good when you come to it, you think you know it, and you learn so much more, you know, who Jesus is. We've sung about that a lot, but one of the things, and we talked about it a few welcomes ago, is the word hope. Uh, what does it mean to hope uh, in the Lord? What does it mean to have Christian hope? Because we have a definition today of hope that is not really that close to what the Bible means when it says hope. And that's when we get in a little bit of trouble. Uh, there's a term called Christianese, uh, and, and it, when you're in a church a long time, you can start talking that way. Um, if you, uh, Christians say some things, and if you're talking to somebody that's not in worship, they don't have the first clue what you're talking about. You know, And so you have to be careful and define your terms. Uh, to do this. So hope, if you think about the word that we usually use, you know, it's really almost a synonym for wish. You know, it's like what you do when, you know, you have a birthday and you blow out the candle. You know, I hope it comes true. Or desire, dream, yearn, crave, those types of things. I mean, for examples, you know, you could think, you know, I, I really wish that the three amigos are on Netflix. <laughs> now, you don't know if the three amigos, I don't know, maybe you do. Um, but, you know, that's kind of a hope, you know. Some of the hopes we have are, you know, it's probably a good, there's probably a 50-50 chance that three amigos are on. That's, that's helpful. You know, you, other things, it's, you know, you can say, well, I really, really hope that the Cardinals win the World Series. Now, some of those are more fleeting, right? The chances may be lower there. But it's, again, it's wish, desire. It's, but that's not what Christian hope is. There's, it's the word elpis. Not Elvis, but Elpis in, in Greek. And it means a joyful and confident expectation of future salvation or trusting in God's promises. It's much deeper than wishing. This is confident expectation. So this word has, it's about expecting it. You know, because we say that, well, you know, I really have the hope of eternal life. And some people are hearing, well, got about a 50-50 chance on this eternal life thing. I really wish I have eternal, and that's what people hear, and we've sung about it already. You look in the Bible, did Jesus come and say, well, I hope you, you know, I really want to give you a 50-50 chance here. That's not what we're talking about here. It's, it's deeper than that. It's, it's, again, it's the character of God. Who can we, we sang about Jesus already and what he did and, and his life and his death and his resurrection and his ascension. He gives us evidence, and that's where we place our hope, which is the confident expectation, but it's future. You see the flowers, that's from Frank Hawley's memorial service. You know, probably you knew Frank, great Christian guy. And I have hope that he's with Jesus right now. Now, if you look at it in the secular way, it's like, 
well, I, you know, it's just 50-50. No, I have Christian hope. I have confident expectation because of his belief. That, that's, that's different, isn't it? And I think when we use these words, we have to remember. So the verse we're kind of going to come off of is 1 Peter 3.15. It's a, it's a verse you probably know. We've used it in other ways. And it starts out really well. We've kind of sung about this. In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. So first of all, have an expectation. Know who Jesus is. Get him right. And then always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. It's a good verse. Everybody should do this. I don't know, you know, pastors do this a lot, uh, mostly hypocritically, uh, where we say, well, you really need to tell other people about Jesus. And then, you know, we go through a day and don't do it. But this is really what we're all asked to do. Be ready. Have, know what to say if it comes up, you know. This is, that's it. Everybody's got this. You can do this, right? I mean, figure it out. You know, do this, you know, and I know maybe I get too dang many ideas in the shower, but, you know, just think about it. What would I say to this person in my life who I don't know if is a, what would I say to him? How would I give the hope I have? Think it through. And yes, it's hard because you don't have anybody to talk to there. And, but you, you can, you can do that. What would I say? What does that do? It gets it in your own mind why you have the hope. But look at this. Always be prepared to make a defense. That's that apologia word uh, where you get the word apologetics, which we do a lot here. Defending the faith. Why do I believe what I believe and can I defend it? That's, that's what this is saying. You know, try to be good at it. And we've all had times, maybe I know I have, where I get done talking to somebody, I'm like, man, I blew that. You know, what, what can happen very quickly is you end up as, answering a question they don't have. You know, asking questions is a good idea. You know, instead of telling them what they need to know, maybe ask what they want to know. And I hope that's what all of you do here. You've got, you got different folks here and, and every week, but, you know, w we want you to ask questions. You know, I'm not Jesus. None of us are. We try to point you to him, and we try to give good reasons why we believe the things about Jesus, but it's not, sermons aren't perfect. And so, Ask questions about why do we believe what we believe? You know, always be willing, because it's hard. Some of this stuff is not easy. And then that word reason is that it's the logos word, the logon word. It's uh, always be able to give a word, a deep, solid, intelligible word about it. This is what we all want to do. And every day, try to do it better. The sermons do this. Our Bible studies do this. Your own prayers do this. Coming together, doing this. Going to dinner, you can do this. You can do this in so many ways. This is just a reactive way of living the Christian life. And then, of course, you have people like me that pray that, and which I'll do at the end of the sermon, that somebody will give you an opportunity. God might just give that to you, you know. Wherever you go to dinner today, you never know what might happen. But be prepared. So if this is the hope, and again, notice this. You, you would think it would say, always be prepared to give a reason why you're saved or why you believe in Jesus. It doesn't say that. It says to give a reason for the hope that is in you. So that's how that confident expectation of God's future promises in Christ. You know, that's, again, that's that word. It's very strong. So Christians ought to be a hopeful people, and Peter's implying that there are reasons for Christian hope. And that's what we're going to talk about in this series. I had 12. We knocked her down to 7. Uh, 
And let me know if there's something you really want to hear about. You know, we, we do, we'll do Bible studies that way. We were doing that Sunday morning. I asked them what they wanted, and then we voted, and then I told them if they were right. No, well, no we actually did vote, and we, we're going to do what we're going to look at. I think we just finished up Hebrews or almost, and then we're going to look a little bit at uh, Jesus in the Old Testament. That's what the group wanted to look at, so we'll do that. Same with sermons. Is there something that you'd really like to hear? I mean, it make, at least I know one person's listening. You know, so it's nice. It's nice for pastors to that. So, so what is our Christian hope based on? And that's our verse for today. It's 2 Thessalonians uh, 2, 16 and, and 17. Uh, now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. That is a very, very deep sentence. Uh, because what, what you're going to do when you start looking at the confident expectation, you're going to look at these other words. Comfort, eternal, grace, work. That's what we're going to look at a little bit today. Because it looks like that Christian hope is based on grace. Uh, grace, how we define it. If God were not a gracious God, we would not have hope. If you think about it. You know, how does Jesus start his ministry? You know, it's the R word. You all know the R word, right? You know, repent. Well, why does he do that? Is he mean? There's a problem. That he gives you the solution. There's a problem. You can't save yourself. You're not good enough to be before a holy God. That's where you always start, you know, the guilt. And I think that's where the Bible always starts. Um, and then he gets to the grace. So if God's not gracious, we're in trouble if he's just a judge. So... There could be no confident expectation that all things will work out wonderfully and joyful for us without God's grace. That's what we have to remember. Um, I, we were talking a little bit at the the, the uh, Bible study, and um, one of one of you said, "You know, well, you know, Frank's funeral was easy." And I'm like, "Well, you try." No, I'm just kidding. It's, it's like, <laughs> and it was because he was a. There was no reason to. He, he believed. You know, we know that. That part was easy. You know, you know, it's hard when you know him well and the emotions that come and stuff. But yeah, it was. It was. It was like, it was a great celebration of his life because what did we do? We pointed to Jesus. So the wonderful, joyful, whatever he's experiencing, that's a rabbit trail I know, but can you imagine that? That's what we hope for in a Christian way, right? But we wouldn't have confidence if it wasn't for God's grace. So, what is this passage referring to? It's talking about that those, who, who's, who is it? Who can have this hope? Well, our Lord Jesus Christ. So, people have yielded to Jesus as Lord. Uh, and our God, our Father. Well, so, who trusts God as their Father, not their judge. And it, then it later says, in, 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 the, in verse 15, right before it, it talks about brothers, which is a word that, Paul uses a lot for just believers. Uh, it's like mankind, only the believer side of it. So true followers of Jesus, this is who this is for. It's not for people just in general. Um, like I said before, in, in the general course of things, God is not your father. He's your judge. He's your creator. But there's no salvation there. There's no uh, confident expectation of, of that because you don't have a connection with it. So what does grace actually do? This is the case. This is what hope gives us. What good hope does it secure? And, and we're going to talk about these three things. Eternal comfort, heart comfort, 
and established in every good work and word. So that's our outline for today, if you're wondering. Because uh, these words, the eternal comfort, the, the words uh, pack a lot of meaning. You think about eternal. Uh, that's an interesting word. It's hard for us to get our minds around. It's olam in Hebrew and aeonius in Greek. What does it mean? What well, means ancient, everlasting, forever, without end, maybe without beginning? It's hard to get your mind around, you know, because we, how many here have lived forever? See how it's hard to get your mind around? Yeah. So, but we have to remember that eternal life denotes a duration and a quality, and that's what eternal really is trying to get us to understand. And we know this verse, right? Um, do you know that the Bible really never says that the reason Jesus came was so you could go to heaven? Not in those words. Now, I'm not, I, I think it does kind of say that, but this is the way it says it. You know, it doesn't say, it does say, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son at the cross. We just sang that. And whoever believes in him should not perish but go to heaven. Notice that. It's different, isn't it? I think that's a little problem in our theology sometimes. Um, because hope is confident expectation of God's future promises, but then we tend to just go to death, say, well, it's going to be good later. And it will be good later. But Jesus comes on the scene, repent and believe the good news for the kingdom of heaven is upon you. When do you get eternal life? Is it later or is it now? Yes. <laughs> but that he, does, he says, we'll have eternal life. What's he talking about? He's not talking about just heaven there. Um, I think it cheapens what Jesus did to some extent, as if he's just kind of a cosmic real estate agent. Well, we get, we're here and then we get to go there, you know. In my father's house are many rooms. Well, I don't want just a room. I suppose it's an efficiency. Well, that's where you get the points, right? Extra points get you bigger rooms. <laughs> Strike that. No, <laughs> we have no idea, right? But, but then later in that same passage in John 3, John writes, whoever believes in the Son has, has, has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God re remains on him. So eternal as to duration is never ending, but also a quality. What's the difference? Being with God versus being separate from Him. C.S. Lewis is, always turns a phrase good, and he's like, aim for heaven, and you may or may not reach it. Aim for Jesus, and you'll get heaven thrown in. It's who you follow, not what you're after. Do you want Jesus because you can get what you want, or do you want Jesus? And He wants us to want Him. It's the same thing. Think about other relationships. You know, I'm sure you've never done this, but people do that to people, Right? They get a relationship because they just want something. And sometimes they don't even know that. But do you want the person or do you want what they can give you? Well, yeah, maybe both. But hope you want the person. That's not a real relationship. But it, think about this. Who believes in the Son has eternal life. It starts when you believe. You already have it. The hope starts. The Spirit comes. You've got a lot. Now, I'm, it, it, there's still sin in the world, and we still struggle with it in our own lives. We had that in the Sermon on the Mount. You know, lead us not into temptation. The temptations come. That'll end. Uh, not yet. But the one who does not obey the Son, who does not follow the Son, shall not see life. 
That's quality, isn't it? Don't think about this very long, but just for a second, we just thought a little bit about heaven's like, what's hell like? I don't think we can understand it yet. Because even the rain falls on the wicked right now. God still has a common grace for people. But that isn't going to happen in hell. Um, so being with God versus being separate, so there's a quality to eternity. And how do you get it? Well, it's only attained through grace. That's why this word, and that brings us back why we hope in Romans 5, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ. Or there it is again. It's the grace that we get. If we miss the grace, we miss it all, right? Don't let them take Jesus and make him less important. Every heresy does that. You need more than Jesus. Is Jesus sufficient for your salvation or not? Did he think he was sufficient? Or do you need to add to Jesus? Not in the Bible, you don't. It's eternal also because the one we live the life with is eternal. Um, actually, he doesn't have a beginning. You do. I don't know if you knew that, but you were created. How many people remember when they were born? <laughs> you think, is that grace, you think? How many mothers remember when their kids were born? Yeah, yeah, that's a little higher, right? Um, you know, you don't, we, we, we obviously know we have a beginning, but notice even there, somebody's working, right? Doesn't that make sense that God's working in that little human in the womb and after birth? And I don't remember, I try, when the, how far do you have to go back to remember? Three, four, five, some of you like 21. <laughs> but who's, who's sustaining you there? Well, I think God is. He's still working through. And that, that's just grace, isn't it? It's like, we don't deserve that. You know, I mean, what do babies do? They cry, poop, and eat. That's it. They're cute, right? <laughs> but that's the way, again, but God is never, he's, all, he, he's completely eternal. He never had a beginning. I'm going on the negative part of the number line here. I'm never going to get there, right? Um, you can use math for that if you want. That's why, that's why I became a math major, so I could become an actuary and eventually go to seminary and become a pastor. It's you know, a path lots of people take. <laughs> but again, eternal life, this is the key. Uh, you know, heaven's important, but it's not the main thing here. It, it's just the thing that gets thrown in. It's very important. It's where, and where is heaven? You know, you had that when the astronauts went up, you know, there, you know, Neil Armstrong, I remember, said that, you know, he just felt closer to God. And he wasn't getting into the awareness, but people say, well, I look out there, you know, the Hubble telescope, and I don't see, I don't see heaven. <sighs> Got to watch more Star Trek, I think. I, it's not, a, it, it's aware, I understand that, but who, who's there? That's the key. That's all you need to worry about. I'm sure... I mean, you know, using Frank as an example, I think he'd be okay with it. I guess not much I can do about it now, but, but uh, maybe later. I have to be careful. Uh, but, you know, did he have to go through some sort of process when he died? Like, now you've got to figure out where you need to go. I mean, there's movies like that, right? I think Jesus just took care of it, you know. So he is kind of a divine real estate agent a little bit. You know, that's the only thing he is. 
But when, we, when you think about eternal life, what's one thing that happens? It's in John 3. It's not up on there. John 14 is. But, you know, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born from above. There has to be something changed in us, right? And you get the Spirit. And that's, you know, you get the, that helps us. And he says this in John 14, you know, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Ever thought about that this, this parakletos, which is the word, sometimes it's translated helper like here, sometimes encourager, but you also get comforter. Uh, he's with true believers always. There's that eternal life thing going on there too. That eternal person is with us. Another way to look at eternal comfort is the deep comfort and encouragement from the eternal God. And you know when you go through tough times, this is what you really, really need. This is the eternal comfort. Don't look at it as just comfort later in eternity. Look at it as starting now. And when you go through the crap of life that this is there, you know, that is, that's, it's very good because we're all going to go through that stuff. Uh, some more than others, but the eternal comfort is there. That's what he's there for. That's why he's called the comforter. And Jesus later says, it's good that I leave, because Jesus was, it's kind of hard to understand, and we're not going to get too far into that, but he becomes flesh. And so he's local, but the Holy Spirit never does, and he's not. How does he get into each one of us? I don't know. We can talk about that some other time. But he's there. It's just the, so that's another part of eternity. So, and all of this should give us, and we sung about it, the living hope, the Christian hope, and a confident expectation that the grace is there. We have eternal life that starts when we believe. We have the Holy Spirit, that eternal God with us. This is almost like God knew what he was doing. I think he did. I think this is good. So that's eternal. The other one I'm calling heart comfort because grace also comforts our hearts and gives us hope through God, giving us faithful people to walk alongside us in this life. You know, why, why don't you, you know, and, and, and then people have to do this sometimes. I realize that. COVID kind of made this happen, but, and we still, you know, have it on Facebook Live, and that sometimes is fine. But why did you come here today? Why didn't you just stay home? Keep listening because you're like, well, pastor said I could stay home. So, don't get any points. <laughs> I think you get half a point for staying home. Maybe, I don't know. If you watch it, yeah. Yeah. Why, why do you, it's something about the people, isn't it? I mean, worship, this is more about God, but you still have the people. And then our small groups, our life groups, our Bible studies, our going to dinner and all this stuff, that's to get the people. Who do you run to when you're sad? Well, you pray to God, but there's also the people. Paul did this. He says, but God who comforted the downcast comforted us by the coming of Titus. Titus was a good friend of his in the Lord. And when he came, he was like, oh, this is cool. And we have that, right? Get people to come together. He was comforted both by the coming of Titus and, if you read on, the support of the many followers of Jesus in Corinth. Again, Jesus said in Matthew 16 that on this rock, this gospel of him being the son of God, the one that we have to follow to have eternal life, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's collective. You go against Satan, you'll get whooped. We go together with spirit, then, we can, then we're, we'll be good. It's always the together stuff. So our eternal comfort comes from God and gives us hope, but this heart comfort often comes from other people that we are friends with in the Lord. 
I've got probably five or six really, really close friends that don't live here anymore, or never did, some of them. Um, but because we have that faith, it's just, it, it can always go deeper. It always, and it's, you just hit the ground running, as they say. It doesn't matter. And you, and you don't have to get all this other stuff. It's all there. It, the deep stuff's already there. You can go to the next level really fast. You know, you always want somebody to, to run to when you're down, but you always want somebody to run to when you're up, too. I remember being at the Grand Canyon. You know, you been to the Grand Canyon, anybody? I tell you, that sucker is grand, hence the name. It's big. Some nit four nitwits went down and up in one day. Second dumbest thing I've ever done. <laughs> we'll talk about the first one some other time. But you're sitting there looking at it, and it's so awe-inspiring. And you think about God, you know, this is so cool. But if you don't have if you don't have anybody with you, it's kind of it's diminished. It's like, hey, you seeing this? Why do you take eight thousand pictures on your phone? Is that for you? Well, maybe. Why do you post them on InstaTwit or whatever? <laughs> Snapbook, you know what I'm talking about. I know what they are, maybe. But why you want to share it. You want to share the joy. I mean, and that's great. Do that. I mean, that's, that's part of what we're supposed to do. So the church, the committed gathering of believers, is to be the source of comfort for one another. There's a bunch of one another paths. There's over 100 in Paul's writings. Finally, believers, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. There it is. Agree with one another on the main things. Live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. It's that, you know, I always like to use that, you know, it's, you know, the connection with God and the connection with each other. What's that? You got it right across. It's kind of cool. So we're ex we are to extend hope through grace that we have received to others. Oh, and it's back that first Peter again which will truly encourage our hearts. And you see this in the first letter to the Thessalonians. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. You know, somebody gets sick. Um, somebody's on death's door. Uh, gas gets over five bucks, you know, hypothetically. Um, we can comfort each other with these words when you're down, you know. Uh, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you're doing. You know, that's the idea. Come somebody that we can be together with because that's really what all that matters anyway. Whether you're going through good times or bad times, it's the relationships that really matter. And somebody else's perspective can make the all the difference in the world. So the last one is establish in every good work and word. So we have grace. We have eternal life. We... We, we get Jesus' righteousness. He takes our sin. We've talked about that. But why, why every good work and word? You know, because of God's love along with comfort and good hope through grace, it's the same thing. We were created by God to have eternal connection to Him and each other, which includes doing things that please Him. And you get the Ephesians 2. Uh, if you want to turn there, you can. Uh, this is... Uh, good. We use 2.8 a lot because it's Ephesians, if you know Ephesians, the first three chapters is just the packed the theology about what it means to be a Christian. But this is so cool. It's just, it's about salvation. You know, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, 
not a result of works so that no one may boast. So you realize you're guilty, you repent, you get grace, you have eternal life. That's what that says. But it goes on. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So why do we do them? Because that's what we're created to do. Created to do good works. What? Well, why are we created to do good works? Well, there's a couple reasons, I think. Maybe there's more, but there's at least two. First of all, it shows our love for God. Jesus said it, if you love me, you will keep my commands. That's one of the reasons we do it, not just out of obligation. But then remember in the Sermon on the Mount, at the end of the Beatitudes, he said, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That's another reason we do it. Maybe there's more reasons than that, but those definitely those two. Love God and show the glory of the Father. That's pretty cool. And like I said at the welcome, he, he gifts each one of you to do these. And don't just think of good works as, you know, the thou shalt not, you know. Don't be a Christian that just goes through life saying, I'm not going to do this stuff. Well, that's good. But I can get you very far, right? What can you do positive for him? You know, again, what gifts do you have? How can you use it? Our church would always try to help you do that. Whether it benefits us directly or not is really not that relevant. It's where does where's God leading you? What, where, how has he gifted you? We, 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 we think about calling a lot. You know, God calls me to do this, God, and that's fine, but how has he gifted you? You know, what makes you have passion, you know? Maybe you're passionate about a particular sport. Fine, maybe we can do something with that. We've got seven acres out here. It'd have to be kind of downhill. But maybe you're passionate about sledding. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Again, what do you, we, we can do this together because God gifts each one of you for something. And you just, you, you know, I've seen it. We start, and then there's that one person or those two people or that family that because of that ministry either comes to Christ or knows him better, and then they kind of pass it on. And it's just kind of cool. It's just neat to see that. You know, everybody's got gifts, and you can do. There's one thing you can always do. You can pray for people, right? You know, that, that you can do that anywhere. Nobody can take that away from you. So do that. So this gives us hope and comfort to all involved and pleases God. That's why we do them. It's good. You know, why do you do good things for people you love? Hopefully to please them, you know. Colossians 1, it's the middle of a prayer, a really good prayer, but Paul says, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. This is another thing we need to try to do. Why do we worship? To get to know God better. Why do we pray? To get to know God better. Why do we go to the Bible? To get to know God better. Is there a pattern here? Why do we serve God? Probably get to know God better. This is your eternal role. Pretty cool. You're never going to exhaust it. Think about the friend you want to be with all the time. Of that, Think about God that way. And do you want that to stop? Don't you hate when the clock strikes, whatever it is for you? You, gotta, you know, you got to go to bed. It's like, well, that's not going to, in eternity in, in heaven with God, there's going, that's not going to stop. We just get little light pinpricks of that. So summing up, ultimately, knowing God's good word will spur you to good works. And this is a verse we use a lot, but you know, all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong, and that's good in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. 
And then God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. It's pretty cool. And he's got to work for each one of us. Uh, I'm not sure what it is for all of us. Sometimes we find it, sometimes we don't. So this is just a start. We're going to do six more weeks. Christian hope, it's not dreaming. It's not wishing. It's not craving. It, it, it is the confident expectation of eternal life with God that starts now and never ends. So that's why we always want to be prepared to give a reason for why we have it. Let us pray. Father, as we look at these verses about hope, uh, such a wonderful word uh, that we can have confidence in our salvation, we can have confidence in being with you, confident that you have gifted us in many ways. I pray for each person here that, that those who have found where their gifts are to help you, that they'll keep having that passion for that. Those who are looking, work on their hearts, have them ask questions, help us help each other find ways to serve you. You bring people to us with the gifts and talents we need. May they find them in you and in your Son, in whose name we pray.